Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Jesus came and he lived as one of us. He experienced everything that we experience, not in the specifics, but every temptation that we have ever experienced, he did. He knew what it was like because, you know, Jesus lived in a culture. Jesus came to be a part of the culture. He came to experience what we experience so that we and he could identify. It seems a little hard, the statement of Hebrews 5 and 8. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. God in flesh had to learn. Makes sense because whom does God obey? Obedience was something that came to him because of the culture in which he lived. He was a part of the culture of his time. I want us to think today about living in culture. And what it means as Christian people to be a part of a culture. And yet, to be in the world, but not of the world. Let's think about Jesus for a few minutes. Jesus lived in the culture of the Jews. He himself was a Jew. And their culture was pretty clear. In Luke chapter 3, when John the baptizer was preaching, he said to those Jews who had come out, the leaders, many of them, scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees, and he said, who asked you to come? You need to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. And then he says, and don't even think to say that we have Abraham as our father. For even now God could raise up children to Abraham from these very stones. John the baptizer was convinced that God could do a miracle and create children for Abraham. Don't even think to say it. But then John 8 and verse 33 records that they did in fact say to Jesus, we're of the seed of Abraham. We've never been in bondage to anyone. And Paul writing in Romans chapter 2 said of the Jews, you are of the law. You've been instructed in the law. You make your boast in the law. The Jewish culture boasted about who they were. God had chosen them. God had brought them out of Egyptian bondage. And their whole lifestyle was devoted to, we are God's special people. That was their culture. But Jesus lived in the Roman culture. The Roman culture, of course, controlled the Jewish people. They were the empire of the world. And so people were under their oversight. They were under their laws. The Romans had control. They were in charge. 
Somebody asked Jesus one time, does your master pay the temple tax? And Jesus turned to Peter and said, of whom do people charge the tax of their own people or others? And he said, of others. Yeah, so we don't offend them, go down and catch a fish. And when the fish comes out, there will be a coin in his mouth and you go pay the temple tax. On another occasion, Jesus said, you render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and you render to God the things that are God's. Jesus lived as a Jew in the Roman culture, but he was responsible to the Roman culture and he paid taxes because of it. But Jesus also lived in the culture of the tension between the two. And of course, they did not do well, but they used each other. In order to keep the peace, Pilate had created this situation by the time that Jesus was on trial, that every year at that big Jewish feast of Passover, he would offer to release one prisoner just to appease the people. They were all about control, but they also wanted to keep down insurrections and problems. And so they used the situation. Herod was one who built temples for them. The Jews and the Romans had a stalemate, if you will. The Romans were using them, but the Jews used the Romans. When Pilate offered that prisoner, they said, no, we don't want him. We want you to kill Jesus, crucify him. Well, you take it and you do it yourselves. Oh, we can't do that. By law, you have to be the one. They used the Romans to kill Jesus to get what they wanted. And there was a tension between the two. And Jesus lived in the midst of that culture where they fought against each other. They didn't trust each other. They used each other, but they were in that culture of that time. Jesus lived in culture. Number two, Jesus created a culture. We've said many times, you've heard it many times, that God in Scripture, Jesus, didn't do anything without an intention behind it. Sometimes we may not see what the intention was, but it was there. Now think about the culture he created amongst the apostles. I'm sure there were a lot of great men that he could have appointed to bring in to be a part of training these men to be the leaders when he was gone. Who did he choose? <clears throat> he chose Simon the Zealot. The Zealots were a group of people, been around for about 200 years. 
And they were constantly battling against the group in charge, the government. The Maccabees, you may have heard of, was a family of the Jews. And way back before the turn of that century in the B.C. time, there was an uproar, an uprising. And the Maccabees tried to run the Romans out of town. And even during the time that Jesus was there and before, there were clandestine opportunities taken at night to try and disrupt the Roman government and get them kicked out. And Jesus said, Simon, come be a part of my group. And then he walked down the street and he picked out this guy Matthew. Matthew was sitting at the table collecting taxes from the Jews to pay to the Roman government. And they only were given a number. Here's what you have to give us. Whatever you can get out of them on top of that, you get to keep yourself. They didn't like the tax collectors. The Jews didn't. They called them turncoats. They became the symbol for all that is sin, those tax collectors. And Jesus said, Matthew, come be a part of my culture with Simon. Then he went down to the seashore and he found four working class guys just getting by catching fish and selling it was hard work they were strong bodied men and Jesus said come be a part of my group Come be fishers of men. Then he turned and he said, Judas Iscariot, come be a part of my group. He already knew what was in his heart. He already knew what type of man he was. He apparently was of the higher class. Good with money. Carried the treasury that they had with them. But he was constantly dipping into the till. And Jesus said, all of you work together. And as if to add insult to injury, just within a couple of years of Jesus returning to heaven, he appeared to a guy 
on a road who was heading to Damascus to kill Christians. And Jesus said to Saul the persecutor, you come be a part of the group too. And Saul said of himself, I am a, an apostle born out of due time. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. But God showed me grace and let me be a preacher. And an apostle of Jesus. Jesus lived in the culture. Jesus created the culture. And then he established his church. And in his church that he established, here's what we find. We find it was a politically diverse group of people. Of course, 3,000 Jews on the day of Pentecost came into the church. But 30 years later, when Paul is writing his final epistles from prison, some of them, especially Philippians 4, there were people in Caesar's household who were Christians and a part of the church. The slaves and the owner. The ones under authority and the ones in authority in the same church. Politically diverse. If there had been an election, I guarantee you, those two groups would have voted differently. They were financially diverse. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is instructing the church at Corinth about a problem they were having. And their problem was there were rich people and there were poor people. And he looked at them and he said, how do you shame those who have nothing talking to the rich? Because when they came together for worship and they would have this meal together, the rich obviously had to bring all of the food, including the Lord's Supper. And instead of creating an opportunity for unity, the rich went off on the side and took their own blessings with them and divided among themselves and left the poor out. And Paul said, you can't do that. Because the church is a financially diverse group of people. But the church was also spiritually diverse. The Hebrew writer would say in chapter 5, the time that you ought to be teachers, someone has to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. 
You ought to be strong enough now as a Christian to teach yourself, but know somebody has to keep teaching you. It's time for you to get mature, time for you to grow up. On another occasion, Paul and Peter were together with some Jewish and Gentile Christians. You know the controversy. There were some Gentile or some Jewish Christians who wanted the Gentiles to be circumcised as a part of their Christianity. But on this occasion, they were eating together and enjoying fellowship. And then, then, a group of those people calling for the circumcision of Gentile Christians showed up. And Peter, who had been eating with them, now separated himself and created division over that issue. And Paul said, I had to withstand him to his face. The church was spiritually diverse. The church that Jesus established was full of people. It was the people. And they were politically, financially, and spiritually different from each other. That was their culture. So what was the point? Why would Jesus pick such a diverse group of men as apostles? I think it was because he was saying, if these guys can get along, all of you can get along too. If this group of people can get along together and, and be great workers, then so can every other group of people. So how did this group do? How did this group that Jesus created, how did they do with their jobs? Acts 17 says, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Those Christians preaching and coming to Thessalonica had turned the world upside down. That's how well they did. These Christians preached to everybody they came in contact with. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23, Paul said, the gospel has been preached to every creature under heaven of which I became a minister. They made sure that everybody had the chance to hear. And these people did not let persecution stop them. When the culture in which they lived 
persecuted them. They didn't stop. They didn't throw up their hands. They didn't quit. They didn't sit around and cry and moan and wail. According to Acts chapter 8, Saul was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against those Christians. And verse 4 said, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. These people, here's what they did in their culture. First Peter chapter 4. They committed themselves to God. Peter had warned them, it's coming. Great persecution, even more is coming, it's going to get worse. But they committed themselves to God. When the culture didn't like them, they stayed and stood with God. When the culture fought them, they just turned to God and said, we'll take your help. When the culture didn't want to hear them, they preached anyway. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? He came to his culture and he turned the world upside down. And it's never been the same since. He didn't meet anyone that he refused to preach to, to talk to, to offer help. He was ready when they needed him. And when they began to persecute him and send him to the cross, he said, in his commitment to his Father, not my will, but yours be done. The Richmond Church has a culture. We are politically diverse. When elections come up, we vote in different ways. We are financially diverse. We have people who get by and pay their bills. And we have people who could pay the bills of more than one family. We're spiritually diverse. We have some who have spent their entire lives in service to the Lord. They know the depth and the width and the height of Scripture. And we have those who only recently have come to know the Lord who might even be embarrassed 
people thinking they don't even know how to turn to a book in the Bible. We're spiritually diverse. But like the church of the first century, and like Jesus, our example, we can be just as successful as they were. Our culture is who we are. Our culture is who we are based on primarily those men who have for decades shepherded this group of people. We are who we are. But we can affect our culture. We can affect the people around us. Because we can be a force. No matter our political, financial, or spiritual, individual natures, as a group, we are and can be even more powerful. If we allow ourselves to say, we will be in our culture what Jesus was in his and what that first century church was in theirs. That's what God calls us to be. Tonight we're going to be very practical about how to do that with these different generations and diverse groups of people. But that's where we're going as we look into the new year. But finally, having just come through the day yesterday, you can't help but think that Jesus is the greatest gift to any culture that has ever been given. And I was thinking about it yesterday this way. If I walk up to you and I have a present wrapped and I lay it in your lap, you have a gift from me. It's yours. There it is. But until you unwrap it and until you take advantage of it, do you really have it? That's Jesus. The gift of Jesus was laid in the lap of every single individual who's ever lived. It's just that some people don't unwrap it. They just push it off to the side. It's a gift. But until a person is willing to unwrap it, until a person is willing to take it in, until a person is willing to say, this is now a part of me, you really don't have the gift. It's there, but you don't really have it as a part of you. It'll always be yours. It'll always be sitting there to take advantage of. So if you've not unwrapped the gift and made it a part of your life, Submitting to Jesus in baptism, to be brought into his family, 
then that gift is just lying there. But it's not doing you any good in the package. Or maybe you've opened the gift, but it's been sitting on the side collecting dust. It's not really being used well. And maybe you're ready to say, I'm going to bring it out, and I'm going to fix it and use it again. This culture doesn't have to determine how successful you are as long as you have Christ in your culture. Can we help you today? If so, our shepherds will meet you here at the front. Let's stand together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.